You're listening to Two Guys on Politics with former Congressman Bill Lipinski and former Chicago City Hall reporter Ray Hanania. Two Guys on Politics examines the perspective of Reagan Democrats. Enjoy the show. I'm Ray Hanania. I'm Bill Lipinski. And this is Two Guys on Politics. Uh, Bill, it's been a Interesting week. I, I don't know if it's all politics this week, but uh, the big news, right, is this uh, trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. I think he was 17 and he got involved in the protest defending some store uh, in Kenosha. He's from the Chicagoland area, I think. Yes, he is. Uh, yeah, one of the communities out here. And uh, he went up there and, um, you know, those protests, I don't know if you remember, a lot of people don't. No, but- I remember him very well. Yeah, there were protesters. They were violent. This idea that they, they were angels is ridiculous. They were very violent, destroying businesses. And, uh, you know, they were shooting people and burning businesses down. So I don't know. So I watched the I listened to the the much of the trial this week. Did you get a chance to listen to some of it? Yes, I did listen to some of it very definitely. Yeah. And what was oh. your what was your impression? Well, prior to this week. Uh, I had said to people, if I had a predisposition that he was guilty, I could easily vote him to be guilty. If I had a uh, predisposition that he was innocent, I could easily vote him to be innocent. Now, in what has unfolded this week with the judge reprimanding the prosecutor on a couple of different occasions, uh, with the uh, defendant, you know, calling for a mistrial with... with, uh, prejudiced, uh, if the judge were to rule that way, uh, he would be free. Right. But uh, after seeing what has developed this week, in my understanding had always been, according to the news media, that he had a friend purchase a rifle for him right. in Illinois, and he went up to Wisconsin with it. Now, you, you know, you yeah, my, my impression when I was listening to the testimony I, I thought I heard uh, because I, I, I was listening when Rittenhouse was being grilled by the prosecutor and it looked like the prosecutor was really bullying him. It's almost like the prosecutor was testifying, trying to insert facts into the story. But I, I'm pretty sure I remember hearing Rittenhouse say that he was given the AR-15 uh, by a friend or the owner of this uh, car dealership where he went up there to protect the business. And I don't know the, the issues about why he went up there or what his relationship was to him. But I, there were so many things about the trial that I hadn't heard in the media. All I heard from the media was this 17-year-old kid had an automatic weapon. Um, he shot and killed three, uh, two protesters and wounded a third guy. Um, what a terrible thing. But the media never said that the two protesters that he killed had guns. They never said that the two protesters threatened to kill him, you know, that they had previously threatened to kill him. And then later they came after him. Um, The media left all that out. But in listening to it now, I think, oh, I think this kid might be innocent. Well, from what I have heard, from what you have just said, I have now come to the conclusion that I believe he is innocent. Uh, Now, if the jury finds him innocent, uh, I'm afraid there's probably going to be more problems uh, with, uh, I'll say, people rioting. I won't say people demonstrating. Right. Because a lot of people in the news media 
talk about those people were demonstrating. Well, they were rioting. When you break windows, you know, when you uh, harm people's person, uh, you're rioting. You're right. not uh, just protesting. Well, and then they define that by politics. If you're a conservative and you're and you're riot and you're protesting, it's a riot. Yes. If you're a liberal and you're protesting, it's a protest. Exactly. And anything that happens to you is you're the victim. But on the conservative side, uh, anything that happens to them, they're the you know insurgents. I think I, that was always one of the arguments I had with this, this January sixth, you know. Uh, uh, violence at the Capitol. And I'm not saying that the people that broke in are good, but they were a small part of a big protest that I thought was legitimate. People have a right to go to Washington, protest at the Capitol, um, but they turned that in like it was like the Revolutionary War starting up and they were going to, you know, kill all the Congress people and take over government. And I don't, I think some people got out of hand. And they should be prosecuted, Absolutely. the ones that engaged in violence. No, but they uh, didn't apply that to the uh, George Floyd protesters. They didn't no. apply that same ruling to them, that same feeling. Different no, standard. Now, as far as the Washington situation, I cringe when I hear the news media talk about it being an insurrection. Yeah. Now, I, think, I personally think it was an insurrection. And I'm a conservative. But those people who broke into the Capitol... Uh, that was an insurrection. Uh, now, there were a lot of other people who were at the original rally right. who didn't march down to the Capitol, such as Donald Trump, although he did tell right. people he'd be at the head of the parade. Yeah, he went back to the White House and that was it. Yeah, and, and but that's like regular politics. And that's, you know, that you, you support a protest. You support a demonstration. There's nothing wrong with that. If they want to, you know, it goes to the media saying that, hey, nobody stole the election. And if you say they stole the election, you must be a criminal and you should be punished for it. And I'm saying, are you telling me from reporters telling me that an election has never been stolen, that votes have never been stolen, you know, that they didn't uh, find, you know, that, that this has never happened? I've never heard the media say that before. It's ridiculous. But they're saying that I to think justify. I yeah, I mean, the news media as usual, distorted things in favor of a, a liberal uh, perspective. Yeah. But can I ever tell you the story of when uh, Mike Bolandic lost uh, before he was declared the official loser and Jane Byrne the winner? I had a call from Fred Rohde. Right. And it was about quarter to nine or so at night. And I had right. turned all my election results in. And uh, Fred called me and said, uh, can you get Mike some more? I says, can I get Mike some more? Some more what, Fred? He says, well, uh, some more votes. I says, well, I turned in all my records already to uh, the uh, Board of Election Commissioners. I said, uh, I, how can I get them any more votes? He says, well, you could find some. You know, there was probably some on the floor in some precinct that didn't get counted. I says, uh, you're a wonderful guy, Fred, but have a nice night. And I hung up on him. And, and you know what? The media would easily say, that if Bolandic had not left office, they would have said the vote was stolen. They would oh, say yes, that. Absolutely. So, but the idea is that, and I don't want to get distracted about this okay. Trump thing, because honestly, I don't care about Trump anymore. I, I care about how they treated, the media treated him. And um, it's like, he's not, a, he gets kicked off of social media for saying that he believes the election was stolen. I don't understand why he can't believe that. If he wants to believe it, let him believe it. Right. Why are they pushing so hard to prevent him from saying it? It makes me feel 
that they're covering something up. But back to this Rittenhouse thing, let me read a couple of things I pulled from the testimony. Sure. Um, he said the one thing was about the iPad, you know, that he wanted the prosecutor wanted to show a picture uh, and it was a drone picture from up in the sky and it was blurry, not blurry, but it's hard to see things. So he wanted to use his iPad and use his hands to enlarge the image on the iPad. When, and, he's, and then the uh, defense um, objected and the prosecutor said, oh, it's like using a magnifying glass. It's the same thing. And I'm saying, no, it's not the same as a magnifying glass. When I use a magnifying glass, it enlarges it and I see the same exact image unchanged. But with the iPad, it has special uh, algorithms and artificial intelligence that actually enlarges a digital picture and adds pixels to enlarge it. So it's actually distorting the image. Now, whether it, the distortion changes it or doesn't change it is a different story, but you can't, you know, turn, allow, you know, just say, oh, that doesn't matter. I think that the media, though, they've been jumping all over the judge attacking him, saying that he doesn't know the difference between a, you know, there's no difference between a magnifying glass and an iPad. And uh, I think that that's a case of bias. And then the other thing was that Rittenhouse uh, was uh, with others, a group of people who were defending a business um, from the looters, the protesters and the arsonists. They were very violent. A lot of these guys, they were screaming, you know, it wasn't a peaceful demonstration. He said that uh, the guy, the first guy he shot was holding a chain and threatened his life two times. Did you, do you ever recall in the media reporting that Never. the guy he shot and killed had threatened to kill him? Absolutely not. Yeah. The guy, this guy Rosenbaum was quoted as saying, I'm going to cut your expletive deleted heart out uh -huh. and I'm going to find you alone. If I find you alone, I'm going to kill you. He said that to the guy. Now the prosecutor said, Oh, people say stuff all the time. Oh, sure. You, you had a gun. I think that's like worse than having a gun, an intent to hurt somebody. Having a gun to defend yourself is, you know, not different. And then they came back at him and they, in other things, like he was going uh, toward a car with a fire extinguisher to put out a fire that the protesters started. And then he heard someone scream at them, burn in hell. And he's yelling, friendly, friendly, you know, just relax, take it easy. And then that's when this guy Rosenbaum started running toward him from another side. And another protester with a gun started running at him, too. He ended up shooting both of them, killing them and wounding a third person. To me, I think that's the defense. Oh, I do, too. I mean, and, and the, uh, the one guy that was only wounded, didn't he actually point a gun right at Rittenberg? Well, see, that's the interesting thing. The prosecutor said with Rittenberg, Rittenberg said, my gun was pointed downwards. He goes, oh, to where? Any part of his body? And he said, well, maybe his foot. He goes, so you were pointing the gun at the guy. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, what about the guy? He was pointing the gun at his foot. He had a handgun. Yes. And where was he pointing that at? So why is that different? It just seems like that uh, the media, I think, is really playing politics with this case, don't you think? Yes, I do. I agree with you totally. No and, and we and you listened to the testimony and I listened to the testimony yes. when it was done. I, I said, you know, there's no way this kid is guilty. 
I mean, maybe he's guilty of having a possession of a, uh, automatic weapon. You know, maybe he's guilty of, uh, you know, some other stuff, but I don't I believe those, I think those are legal though in Wisconsin, aren't they? Yeah, they might be. I mean, although I think that he's, he was he only seven been too young. Yeah. He you was know, 17 at the time and, and now he's 18. So he should have been treated as a, a juvenile offender. You know, if and that's the worst that he should be, you know, prosecuted for. They want to pro they want to convict him of first degree murder and put him away for life. I don't think that defending yourself justifies that. Oh, I don't think so either. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the what happens at that case. And it's not that I think you should go to these things, you know, with guns. I certainly didn't run out to the to a street where the protesters were. Uh, to respond. But those protesters, the, me the media, again, doesn't tell us they're violent. They destroyed buildings. They attacked people. They vandalized property. They looted businesses. And they even burned some businesses down. And uh, I, it's upsetting to me and I think to many Americans that uh, that aspect of it was like, oh, well, they need to get their anger out. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous, I think. Uh, well, wasn't uh, didn't he say under uh, being cross-examined that he went up there with his uh, medical kit in order to uh, you know uh, help people? He wasn't an EMT, but right. he was, he did he, he had did some training. training. Yeah, some training in uh, you know helping out in a medical situation. Yeah, I mean, listen, the worst you could say, I think, that you could say about this kid, Kyle Rittenhouse is that he wanted to be at a point of excitement. Yes. And, uh, and you want to punish him for that, punish him for that. You want to punish him for having an automatic weapon, punish him for that. But you can't punish him uh, for trying to defend himself when he's being attacked and not say anything. Why aren't those protesters? You know, why isn't the wounded protester that didn't die? Why isn't he being prosecuted for attacking somebody? It always seems that if you're in, especially we see this in Cook County, if you're a criminal and you try to shoot somebody, but you get shot first by the police, the police are the bad guys. Absolutely. The criminal suddenly becomes an angel uh, who had a great future and they show his graduation picture on TV and say this poor kid, the basketball player, he had a phenomenal future in front of him, but nobody says anything about where were the parents? Why was he out at two o'clock in the morning, you know, underage? Well, um, I have to say, though, getting back to our situation there in uh, uh, Kenosha, why on earth did his mother ever drive him up there to get in the middle of that? That, that I don't understand. Yeah, it's, uh, I, it's not, he didn't do the smartest thing and bad parenting um, and bad judgment, but he's a 17 year old. And, you know, I mean, kids, not every kid is going to make a good judgment. Um, but I, I think they're just trying to make this an, a political case. They're, they're putting politics on trial. They're not putting, you know, justice or facts on trial. And there's no fact checking the media. They say all kinds of stuff that, you know, that they, they didn't mention anything, but they only fact check the conservatives and the right. And I think that's wrong. And I think they do an injustice to the guys who died. It sh we should know what the truth is. Absolutely. But we're not, I don't think we're going to get it. No, I don't think so either. But I hope he does get acquitted because I, I think that's, you know, I, he, he, they can find him guilty of, you know, 
not he shouldn't have had the rifle, as you said, and maybe something else. But as far as murder, that's absolutely ridiculous. He was indeed defending himself. Yeah. And, and regardless of how he got there, rightly or wrongly, um, the other guys had weapons. They had a mm-hmm. gun. They had chains. They made threat. They said they were going to kill him. Um, I think those are serious. Um, I think the prosecutor really uh, uh, screwed up and I I couldn't sympathize with the prosecutor as I listened to him. It was clear that he was kind of trying to, it was almost as if the prosecutor was testifying as a witness rather than asking him to answer questions. So anyway, let's, we'll see soon. I think maybe, won't we? Maybe another week um, we'll know uh, how this uh, goes. Um, the other issue, of course, is November 11th, Veterans Day. And, you know, we had a lot of veterans that uh, sacrificed their lives, uh, former military service people, active duty service people. Uh, this is an important day, you know, I think for everybody sets aside. Do they set aside politics for Veterans Day, you think? I would certainly hope so. I hope so, uh, too. Now, are, are you aware of the fact that it was originally called Armistice Day? I can't, I kind of remember that uh, from World War One, correct? November 11th? I guess it was, yes. Yeah, November. And yeah, I, rem- I recall that. November the 11th, because the armistice for World War One was signed on the 11th month, the 11th day at 11 a.m. Yeah, that was, that's, I remember that now. That's true. I remember mm-hmm. that history. Um, that for me, it's important because my dad was born on November 11th. That's his birthday. Oh, okay. And he was a military veteran. He, he was born, though, in 1901. Uh, this would be, I think, his 120th birthday if he were still alive. Um, but he, my dad and my uncle Moses, you know, they immigrated here in the 20s. And after Pearl Harbor, the day after, they both went together to enlist in the military so my dad enlisted in the army and became part of the OSS, the Office of oh, uh, yes. Strategic Services, and they would hunt I down Nazis. That's that. right, Bill Donovan. In fact, I my, I have a letter that Bill Donovan wrote to my father, thanking him right? for his service. Yeah, it's very cool. I think that's terrific. Yeah, it is. It, all kinds of war memorabilia that I have. Uh, but my uncle, his brother, his older brother, wanted to go into the army too, but his name was Moses, and when the recruiters uh-huh you know, signed him up, they assigned him to a Navy battleship in the Atlantic because they thought Moses might help part the seas. They thought it was funny. So that's how he ended up in the Navy. But he spent four years on a battleship in the North Atlantic. So, uh, but they both did very well. They're both both proud of the fact that they served. And and I'm proud of that. I I think it's good anyway. So Uh, you know the difference between what is now Veterans Day, and it became Veterans Day in 1954, in no longer Armistice Day, because it was for uh, you know all the wars that we had in, been involved in, uh, yeah. and to honor all of the veterans in the First World War, the Second World War, and so forth. Uh, but uh, Memorial Day was originally called uh, Decoration Day. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that comes out of the Civil War. Uh, people in the South and the North started decorating graves of fallen soldiers uh, from the Civil War. And uh, they continued to do that as the years went by. And at one point, once again, we were involved in more than the First World War. So after the First World, Second World War sometime, they changed the name from Decoration Day, where they would decorate the graves, to Memorial Day. 
right. he felt that would honor all of the fallen uh, American military personnel. Yeah, I, I know it's nice to have the two holidays, Memorial Day and Veterans Day, because Memorial Day, I would go to my father's grave, put some flowers, you know, and you memorialize them. Right. Um, and then for some November 11th, I, I don't go to his grave, but I think about him and I share his photo and everything. You know, now with social media, you, you see a lot of that. And uh, so it's well, good think, that we do pay attention to the I think that Veterans Day has gotten somewhat of the short shift uh, because of Memorial Day. You know, people are more aware of Memorial Day. Yes, more they are. Memorial Day, because that's uh, a day to remember the people who had fallen in battle, whereas Veterans Day is just, you're a veteran, I'm a veteran. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it, people don't, it's not the same thing. And Veterans Day is always held on November the 11th. Right. Whereas Memorial Day is held on a, always held on a Monday. Right. So the Americans get a three-day weekend, which they Right. Like. So we call it Memorial Day weekend. Right. Yeah. Veterans, Veterans Day is one day. But yeah, right. you're right. So Memorial Day becomes a big weekend holiday of picnics. I remember from Memorial Day, which was on a Monday, we would always have a picnic with my dad's family on a Sunday. Uh, a lot of times we go to Brookfield Zoo. They used to encourage people to come out there and picnic and lay out the towels in the 50s and 60s, you know, when yes. we were younger. And uh, yeah, I think it does. November 11th gets a little shorter shrift, but mm -hmm. what are you going to do? And, oh, and you served. That's great. Did, what was your uh, service? What, what was? Uh, I was in the United States Army. Wow. I was, I was in the, at the time they had a program where you signed up and you went on active duty, basic training, whatever school they were sending you to. And then practical experience for six months. Right. And then you were in the reserves for five and a half years. And in the reserves, I had to go every Tuesday night from seven o'clock to 10 o'clock. And then also I had to go to two weeks in the summertime to some military base, uh, you know, and perform my duties there. So I was yeah. there, you know, six years. Now, I really don't talk about it uh, because, uh, you know, I feel that, you know, I was in the service. Yes. I was never in a war. I never right. went overseas. I hardly ever was any place but Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Right. Uh, and Lane Evans, a friend of mine who was a member of Congress, he started the uh, uh, some kind of club about uh, people being in the service. And he always included me as being, oh, it was a Vietnam club he started. Wow. And he always included me in it. And I kept telling him, Ray. You know, I never left the United States. I was only on active duty for six months. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you were in. I said, yeah. Yeah. But please don't put your name in there. But he continued to do so. Well, I mean, and it was very similar to my brother and myself. My brother went into the Marines like you. He went for six months uh, after school. Then he went into the reserves for, I think it was four years. And uh, he would go away, I guess, for the summer for two weeks. I, I actually enlisted went into the Air Force right at the end of the Vietnam War, but they never sent me overseas. So I always felt bad because it, when I enlisted, I didn't realize that they treated veterans differently. You know, I can't join a VFW post, but I can join the American Legion. Right. And I thought, you know, that's it wasn't my choice not to go overseas. That was the commander of the base. They decided at the time that they could... Uh, you know, support the F-111 units, you know, stateside. I spent uh, two years in Idaho 
you know, Mount Hill, Idaho. Idaho. And then uh, they let, then they decided they ended the war. And then I shifted and I spent 10 years in the uh, Illinois Air National Guard. And I got out because I was afraid Jane Byrne was going to try to have me uh, sent on active duty. <laughs> there was some reason she was involved in politics and uh, the military. I think she, the, I think she was, I was afraid she was going to influence Governor Thompson to try to force me to go back. So anyway, but happy Veterans Day, right, to everybody and thank everybody thank for you. and appreciate the fellows who really fought in the wars. They are the people that we should really celebrate. The really yes. Thing. People like you and I were very fortunate. Uh, when I was, yeah. now I was in the reserves, you know, for a good portion of the Vietnam War. Fortunately, uh, Lyndon Johnson didn't have the courage, you know, to activate yeah. any reserve units. Yes. Uh, so was... I never had to go to Vietnam. But if he had, certainly what I was in, I was in a basic training company. I would have gone to Vietnam, no question about it. Yeah, and I think uh, that wasn't that one of the reasons why LBJ decided not to seek re-election after he won his first term, after taking over from Kennedy, um, that Vietnam War had been such traumatic for him that yes. he, he just he decided he wasn't going to seek re-election. Yeah, people would go and stand in front of the White House and say, LBJ, how many kids have you killed today? Yeah, I know. That was a tough one, tough war. And finally, our last topic, uh, cargo, sh I mean, cargo ships are, are still sitting in ports around the country inflate, and it's impacting our economy. It's impacting our supply chain. Now, I found out in studying this issue that I assume that the Teamsters were involved with the truck drivers and the Teamsters also were involved with the people in the warehouses. Because what happens is the ships come into the port, the big cranes lift them off, put them on a truck, truck takes them to a warehouse. There are the, the things in the uh, cargo container are sorted out, put on other trucks, and away they go. Now, it turns out that neither the trucks taking the containers from the ship to the warehouse are union members, nor are the people who work in the warehouse ah. union members because one of the things they kept talking about was saying that you know a lot of people you know that used to work in those two positions no longer do work in those positions because of the virus and i thought my god you know truck drivers that's one of the best paid jobs you can have right it's probably the best blue collar job you can have and normally the teamsters also organize the warehouse people well, for some reason or another, I discovered that neither the truck drivers nor the warehouse people are represented by the union. In fact, the vast majority of the truckers who take the containers from the ship to the warehouse are independent contractors. And I've been told some of the trucks that they're driving are just horrendous. And unfortunately, many of the drivers are Mexican-Americans. Uh, and they, some of them, when the virus started, gave up their job, went back to Mexico. And then when we started paying them for staying home, they came back here. And since to a certain degree, we are still paying some of them to stay at home. That's why they're short, so short-handed amongst the truck drivers from the cargo ship and from the warehouse. Now, once you get the stuff at the warehouse and it's put on trucks to take throughout the country, those are Teamster people. Those are union people. They're making a good salary. Right. And the union would get people back to work faster, but the non-unionized companies 
that we're probably laying people off like crazy because of the coronavirus. Um, maybe it sure. wouldn't. Maybe we wouldn't have this problem if all those ports were all subject to unionization. Mm-hmm. You know, unions I think uh, add uh, structure and strength and stability for employees and an employee working in that environment during the coronavirus would know that the union would be there to ensure that they got brought back to work, um, that they would make good wages. Um, And uh, so, yeah, it's, I think it's too complicated though, for the average American. We walk in, I walked into a store, Mariano's and Jewel, a couple stores the other day, and even Walmart. And I'm looking at all these shelves and there's product on the shelves, but it's so few. And the prices of those products have tripled. You know, they said they were going to stop price gouging, but I think they've been price gouging. I, I can't believe that the prices are so high. What about uh, the, uh, what do you call it, uh, inflation? Inflation is, I think it's the highest inflation last month that we've had in 30 years. And yeah, I, it's being driven up by all of this, I think. Yes. It's, it's terrible. A lot of people don't remember what inflation was like. 14% interest rates for mortgages. Remember that in the 70s? I remember that very, very well. It was that under was Carter, in, I think, right? That was under Jimmy Carter. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. he. Uh, uh, it, I always liked Jimmy Carter. I was introduced to him uh, when he came out to uh, meet Jane Byrne, and she stabbed him in the back and decided oh, yeah. to, <laughs> to endorse uh, Kennedy for well, uh, President Ed I'm Kennedy. President Carter. Pardon me? She said, today I'm with President yes. Carter. Yes, yeah, I was Tomorrow there. Tomorrow I'm with Teddy Kennedy. Yeah, today I remember she got up there with Carter. He came for a fundraiser she held. Yes. And helped to raise money because he was a big, you know, the president comes to your fundraiser. That's a big deal. People are going to pay to go there. And then the next day she stood up with uh, Ted Kennedy and uh, endorsed him. I first met uh, Jimmy Carter two years before he ran for president. They had a midterm convention at the Democratic Party in Kansas City. And I went to that and I happened to run into him in, in a, a hallway. And I said to Rosemary, I think this guy is uh, talking about running for president. He's the governor of Georgia or he was the governor of Georgia. And I introduced myself and he was very nice, very down to earth. We chatted for five minutes or so. So I always liked him very, yeah. very much. He seemed like a good person. But he was a terrible president. Yeah, his policies weren't great. I mean, uh, uh, and Reagan, of course, took over that whole Iran uh, hostage situation. The whole time Carter was in office, um, it was terrible. They tried to rescue them and that broke. The helicopters crashed and it was just it was just a mess. And I think people were expecting a little bit better. All right, Bill. Anyway, thank you. I think uh, we touched on a lot of good topics today and. Some that'll make people happy and some that'll make them mad. What can you well, do? We usually do that, don't we? I think, that, listen, the point is, the great thing about having living in a free country is we can talk and you can hear all sides. And we don't get mad at each other because we shouldn't get mad at each other because we disagree. I think we're being pushed to hate people that don't agree with us. And I think that's wrong. No, so, I agree. You yeah. can disagree without being disagreeable. And I like that we come up with these topics because I hope it motivates people who listen to us start discussing these issues and start learning more about these issues. The better informed the American people are on all of this stuff, the better country we will have. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you that I think the American people are smart enough when you give them the facts 
to figure out what's the truth from it. They don't need to be told what the truth is. They right. don't need to be said, hey, don't listen to that. Just listen to this. Give them everything because I think that the jury system works and I think the American public are the best you know, jury for us. So anyway, Bill, thank you again. Thank you, Raymond. It's always a pleasure to get together with you. You've been listening to Two Guys on Politics with former Congressman Bill Lipinski and former Chicago City Hall reporter Ray Hanania. The Two Guys on Politics podcast offers opinion commentary on issues in the news on local, regional, and national American politics from the perspective of Reagan Democrats. For more information on their podcast, visit SuburbanChicagoLand.com.